You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. find 40 you won't destroy it will you and then he goes away and i don't know how long later he comes back and he says, lord i one more time how about 30 then he goes how about 20 and then he says how about 10 would you spare the city for the sake of 10 and the lord says i will there wasn't 10 but the few there were including lot they were delivered god has instilled in us a reflection of his desire for both justice and compassion As Pastor Danny examines the future judgment outlined in Revelation in today's message, he looks back at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah as a demonstration of God's justice. The people of those cities were living in repulsive wickedness. They deserved death, yet God was willing to spare them if they repented. Unfortunately, all but a few chose depravity and suffered dire consequences. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 15 as he continues his message, The Present Privilege of Intercessory Prayer. four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. You want to note these angels are dressed in clean shining linen. They have golden sashes and even the bowls of wrath they have they're in golden bowls. Folks this is a divine mission. There is no injustice. There is nothing wrong with what they're doing. It's righteous. Some people have a hard time. How can a God of love do something like that? Because he's a holy God. He is a loving God. And what more can he do than send his one and only son as the savior of the world? And if you reject that salvation, only one thing is left ultimately. And that is his wrath. The prophets write about it, not just John in the book of Revelation. Joel chapter 3, verse 12. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance in the valley of Jehoshaphat where one final great battle called Armageddon will take place. For there I will sit to judge the nations on every side. Swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes for the winepress is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. It's righteous judgment from a holy God. Now, I want to be very clear that what's happening here and when it does happen, it's not on what the Bible calls saved people. I'm saved, not because of anything I've done. I'm saved because of what Jesus did, and I put my faith and trust in what he did for me. Leave the text just for a minute. Now, we're coming back to it because we have one more verse in Revelation 15, but Genesis chapter 18, prior to God pouring out his wrath 
on two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, some people mistakenly uh, believe that the main sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was the sin of homosexuality. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Oh, there was rampant homosexuality uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah. But the prophet tells us, Isaiah, here was the sin of your sister Sodom. She was arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. America needs to look herself in the face. And a byproduct of the sin of being arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned was homosexuality. It was a byproduct of the sin. And God had uh, for years been calling man back. Man had refused. And in Sodom and Gomorrah, now the time is up. God's going to pour out his judgment. Before he does, he tells his friend Abraham what he's going to do. Now, remember, Abraham began his faith journey at the same time as his nephew, Lot. They left idolatry and a land of idols, and they went to a place that God hadn't even revealed they're going to. So they stepped out by faith, but faith based on what God had said. And so Abraham and Lot began their faith journey at the same time. Uh, God had so blessed them materially that at one point, Lot's herdsmen began quarreling with Abraham's herdsmen because there's not enough grass for all the herds of both of them. And so Abraham says, Lot, you just choose which way you're going to go. And it's time we part ways, practically speaking. And you choose which way you're going to go. And I'll go the other way. Abraham, a man of faith. Lot looks out and sees the plains of Sodom and the grass is greener there. And so he chooses humanly, carnally, if you will, the greener grass towards Sodom. If you follow the story of Abraham and Lot, Lot pitches his tent near Sodom. Then you find him living in Sodom and you find him a leader in Sodom. Now, the New Testament, I believe, confirms that Lot was a man of faith in the coming Messiah, and I believe he's saved. But he was a compromising, we would say a compromising Christian. My personal opinion is it's likely he met his wife in Sodom. I don't know that, but when God gives instructions through his angel that before he pours out his wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah, he's going to save people of faith. He's going to get them out of there. And he specifically says, now, when you flee from the judgment, I'm going to pour out. Don't look back. If you know the story, Lot's wife looked back and God turned her into a pillar of salt. My first trip to Israel, the guide, as we're down in this area we're talking about, pointed a little thing out in this desert region, in this little hump, and he said, that's Lot's wife. And I was amazed that some of the people bought it. And so now my nature, I can't help it when I lead the trip. Sometimes I'll say, you see that? That's Lot's wife. And they'll go, oh, really? And they're taking pictures. It's not Lot's wife. But it did really happen. She turned into a pillar of salt. Well, Abraham knows, knows his nephews in Sodom. 
And so when God tells Abraham he's about to pour out wrath on Sodom, what does he do? Well, I tell you what he did. It's something you should do and I should do if you've got a nephew living in Sodom. Pray. Pray. And here in Genesis chapter 18, listen to the heart of the prayer. Verse 23. Then Abraham approached the Lord and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you sweep away it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Paul the apostle wrote, you can write it down, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we've been saved by faith in Christ that it is not appointed to us to suffer wrath. So Abraham said, you're not going to destroy people of faith. You're not going to pour out uh, wrath on people of faith. Like my nephew, that's what he's thinking. He doesn't say it, but that's what he's thinking. And God knows that's what he's thinking. And he's thinking, surely my nephew has reached maybe 50 people for the Lord. And then he starts to think, I don't know. You know, he's in Sodom. He should have never gone there. Maybe he hasn't reached 50 people. So he goes back to the Lord. And you find it kind of humorous as you read through Genesis 18 because he says, Lord, uh, let me just ask one more time. How about 40? If you find 40, you won't destroy it, will you? And then he goes away and I don't know how long later he comes back and he says, Lord, I one more time. How about 30? Then he goes, how about 20? And then he says, how about 10? Would you spare the city for the sake of 10? And the Lord says, I will. There wasn't 10. But the few there were, including Lot, they were delivered. Lot's wife turned back, looked back, turned into a pillar of salt, tells me her heart's still in Sodom. She's not saved. Point being, Revelation 15, what is happening? Question I put in my notes. It's not a fancy outline this morning. Question I put in my notes. What's happening in the heart of God as he's about to pour wrath out here. I know what's happening in God's heart. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. After giving a blistering message in chapter 23, blistering to the hypocrites and the self-righteous, And those who will not acknowledge, despite all the evidence, that he is the Savior of the world. Verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. But the heart of God, he loves them. You want to see what he can clear? Luke's gospel, chapter 19. Luke's gospel, chapter 19. On this final journey into Jerusalem before the cross. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it and he said, If you, even you had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? What would bring them peace? To acknowledge and receive him as their Lord and Savior. But now it's hidden from your eyes. 
The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. They were willingly ignorant. They rejected their only hope. And what's the heart of God? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He weeps. But he's a holy God. Back in Revelation 15, we have one more verse. And you'll be encouraged that there's just one more verse that you may get out on time. But what a verse. Verse 8, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. It's important enough, I'm going to read it twice. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Please pay attention. Mike called me a little over a week before our trip. And I knew I was teaching every day with the Ignite students. That took a lot of preparation. I don't mind that. It was a lot of work, but I I wouldn't trade it for anything, teaching and being with those young people. And then I knew he was wanting me to speak at their church service on Sunday morning. And usually, especially in the Calvary Chapel family, uh, the pastor would just say, whatever the Lord leads you to do. And if you're as old as me, what you want to do is go get a message you've spent a lot of time working on in the past and get a refreshment by the Holy Spirit, and not have to do all the work to prepare a fresh message. And so that's what I was counting on. But instead of doing the normal Calvary family thing, and you just just teach on whatever the Lord leads you to. Mike said, would you teach, because we're getting ready to start on Sunday morning, uh, the book of Hebrews, would you teach an overview of the book of Hebrews? Those are people that know all that's in Hebrews. And what I was hoping when he asked the question was, and my, when I went right to my notes on my computer to see if I had ever done a teaching overview of the book of Hebrews, and I hadn't. <laughs> and so it took a lot of time to do an overview message of the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews is very fresh in my mind. What's the point? The point is this. One of my favorite verses in Hebrews, let us then approach the throne of grace that we might find Mercy to help us in our time of need. Folks, these people have a time of need like no other. The wrath of God is about to be poured out. And yet, no one can enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. No prayer will do any good for these people. You say, that doesn't sound fair. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know what comes before Revelation 15? Revelation 14. Oh, you forgot. Revelation 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Before God's wrath is poured out in this coming day, not from a peewee preacher like me, but from a mighty angel. And he's an evangelistic angel that goes throughout the globe. And every single person that's left during this final seven-year period, at this particular time, they all have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and had an opportunity to be saved. When you put the scriptures together, 
I'm absolutely convinced that by the time we get to verse 8, everybody that's going to be saved has already been saved because no prayer is getting through. Nobody can enter the temple until God's wrath is completed. There are to me clearly two messages in Revelation 15. The first is this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you better appreciate the privilege we have right now to intercede for those who are lost. Your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, your friend, your work associate, the relative in the family. What a privilege. It's a mysterious thing, but prayer makes a difference. I got examples of all kinds of prayers. I don't have time to get into that, and that's not the main thrust of Revelation 15. The main thrust of Revelation 15 in terms of intercession would be pray now because there's coming a time and it's over, and their fate is sealed. Go to one final scripture with me, and then I will bring it to a close. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. I found a website yesterday afternoon, and it's not surprising. I don't know why it should be, because these days you can find any information you want on the internet. It's just some that you want to find, some you don't want to find. And I found a website yesterday that you can go online and you can get the latest updates from around the world of tragedies. Tragedies, which for us, looking on the website, would be international, but for the person that's there and the people right there, it's, it's, it's national and even local. If you live in that community where it happened, it becomes very personal. One I found was in India, believe it or not, at a wedding. Storm comes up at a wedding. It's like the story of Job. Knocks down the walls of where they were, and they're gone. I mean, they never even got to get married. Now, for some, that could be a blessing. You've got to receive that by faith. You've got to take that by faith. Luke 13, verse 1. Now, there was some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I'll tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Oh, those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I'll tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. And then he told them this parable. And the context of the parable is local tragedy where people have died suddenly. Without warning, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. You know what that is? That's intercession on behalf of the fig tree. And it made a difference. Why? He said, I'll dig around it, fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Some of you, I've been your pastor for a long time, so I have no new stories. I don't know what to tell you. Find another pastor, find another church. We had a little fig tree. It looked like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. I'm not kidding. It was on the backside of what was my pony, Little Rock's, stable. My mother was just going to dig it up, and my grandmother, who lived with us, said to my mother, well, let me try to fertilize it. And she took some of my pony's dung excrement, fertilizer. And she dug around that fig tree and she put pony dung fertilizer around that fig tree. I am not kidding. 
in, in, in what seemed like a, a very short amount of time, that fig tree began to grow, blossom, produce figs. Within just a short amount of time, I could climb the fig tree and get on top of my pony's stable. I'm telling you, we were giving figs away to everybody. We have fig preserves. All because of some really good fertilizer. A little side note, when you really begin to pray for someone, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, your friend, and the stinky things really begin to happen in, your, in their life, don't go, oh, what, no, what are you doing? I was praying. He's going, right, that's right. You were praying. And I'm pouring the fertilizer on. Fertilizer, fertilizer doesn't guarantee, doesn't guarantee but prayer does make a difference. It's mysterious. I don't understand it. But you find story after story after story after story where someone prayed and it made a difference. Let me tell you something. You will never convince me that it didn't make a difference in Peter's life for Jesus to pray for him. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you when you've turned back, when you've repented. Strengthen your brothers. And the most important prayer for anyone is that they might come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Freddie Gage might not mean anything to you, but he's with the Lord now, but for over 60 years he was an evangelist. He came to my hometown. He was a gang leader from Detroit. He's known terrible things. He's done terrible things. But he was radically, miraculously saved by Jesus Christ, and he became a herald for Christ. Over a million recorded decisions for Christ through his ministry. He came to my hometown. They, they had him out at the football stadium. And we heard about this guy, Freddie Gage, you know, he's like, well, we didn't, we didn't really care, you know, about God, but, you know, all my buddies were going, so I went. I mean, Kirk Griggs was going, and Johnny Patterson was going, and, and all these great guys, you know, Woody Gilbert, I mean, who, I'd go anywhere where Woody went. And here we were, and we're standing there, and Freddie Gage gets up, and that was compelling, man. This guy telling great stories. He tells stories about his past, and you're just like, wow. And then he gives the invitation and his, his soloist is up and he's singing the invitation song. And it was like a miniature Billy Graham kind of crusade, you know, and, and I mean, the Holy spirit was thick and I knew I needed to go. I needed to go down. I needed to walk down in response to that invitation. I needed to receive Christ as my Lord and savior. And God was trying to help me in ways I wasn't expecting because my friend Rodney Bird. Now Rodney was a good friend, but he wasn't as cool as Kurt. He wasn't as cool as Woody. And Rodney bumps me and, leans, and he says, Danny, let's go. And I froze. I froze. And I did not go. Now, I'm very thankful that some tragedy did not happen in my life before God gave me another chance. That was middle school. It was right at that point we were partying hard. I became a party animal. That was my life, drug, sex, rock and roll. That's what I lived for. I was so afraid to die. I was so afraid to die. I knew. And so you'd, you'd turn up the James gang a little louder or the Doobie Brothers or whatever you listen to. And you're like, let's party, baby. Let's party. Thank God. At the age of 19, Holy Spirit again. You don't come to, you don't come to Christ when you decide to. These people that say, well, I'll just, I'm just not ready yet. You will not come when you're ready. You'll only come when he's ready for you. 
As you continue to study the book of Revelation, you'll see destruction and death, but also the incredible future that awaits you if you're a follower of Jesus. The pictures painted of the throne room of heaven are inspiring and exciting, and you will one day get to stand where John stood. You'll meet the Lamb of God, who took away your sins. You'll rejoice with the angels and spend eternity getting to know your Creator as He always intended, in perfect love. This is something to cling to as you move through the difficulties of life. Knowing that you have a new home waiting in heaven can also be the catalyst to move you to share the good news of grace with others. They can also have a chance to live eternally with Jesus, and they might just be waiting for someone to introduce them. We hope today's message on the Living Word has been a blessing to you, and we'd like to tell you how you can access more teachings from Pastor Danny. All you need to do is visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way, you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. Are you listening in the St. Petersburg area right now? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Once more, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on The Living Word.